Welcome to Smart Branding, a podcast dedicated to branding, naming, and domain names. I'm Tatiana Bono, and with my guests, we try to help you create and grow strong, memorable, and meaningful brands online. I believe time is one of our most precious assets, and so I want to thank you in advance if you decide to spend the next 30 minutes with us. I promise to do my best to make those worth it. Let's go! So, welcome to our show today, Peter Wright. Peter is a podcast co-host, speaker, writer with a wealth of experience to share. He has also published a book and has expertise in coaching and consulting. He's also lived in quite a few places, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. Thank you for making the time, Peter. No, thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Wonderful. So let's start with a bit of a background. You've uh, lived in Africa. You had a few businesses there, and I believe presently you're in Canada. That's correct. I went to a country called Rhodesia, which is no longer there. As a young child, mm. my, my father was posted there. Uh, I grew up there, became, got married, had kids. I moved to South Africa when I was in my late 20s. I lived there for 14 years. I went back to, and in South Africa, I was in the corporate world to start with. Then I, I left and I started two businesses of my own. One was a little factory packing food products. And then I started an export trading house, exporting to many African countries and traveling to those countries. Uh, mm. Things went badly wrong. I moved back to Zimbabwe, as Rhodesia had become, and started farming. And then things went badly wrong there, very badly wrong. And uh, my eldest son had moved to Canada. So he said, come and look at Canada. And I did. And that's where I still am. So that's in a <laughs> nutshell what I've been doing. Yeah. Wow. How is doing business different in Africa than, than let's say, yeah, in, in Canada? Uh, the biggest thing that I noticed was the amount of red tape in Canada. And I think in most of the first world, not just Canada. Mm. Um, you know, simple things like... Um, Forming a business, starting a business, registering a corporation in, in Africa was much easier and quicker than here oh. and che and cheaper. Silly things like on my farm, if I wanted to build a barn or make a road, or I just did it. Um, I didn't have mm. to get planning permission and pay, pay money to get uh, mm -hmm, fees. Mm -hmm. So I found the red tape here, the restrictions, the having to conform with all sorts of things, very difficult to start a business in Canada. Mm. And how has that, because uh, you do uh, coaching, you coach entrepreneurs and you consult entrepreneurs, how has your experience in in Africa affected that? How What do you feel you've learned that, that you wouldn't have other ways that you can now um, share with people? I, I think um, I, I'm really grateful that I had such a different life. It, it was very tough. Mm. Uh, I ended up getting arrested because I refused to leave oh, my wow. farm in, in the farm invasions in Zimbabwe. I spent three days and nights in a police cell with 26 other people at one time, um, which was not pleasant. But mm. uh, and I was interrogated by security police for five hours. And I've had all sorts of other dangerous experiences. But it opens one's eyes to the, the real world. I, I find that, mm. that many people in the first world are, are, have led quite sheltered lives. So, excuse me, when they hit problems, they don't know how to cope. That's a generalization. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of my coaching <coughs> and consulting was teaching people how to overcome adversity. And mm. uh, the basic, my, my motto is, it's not what happens to you in life, it's what you do about it that counts. And, mm. and I really believe that that's important. Um, so that's one way. And, and because I've been involved in a lot of different businesses, many of them before the digital age, before the internet, uh, it's given me some background to help people in various ways. <coughs> Excuse me. Sure. And 
Um, I was going to say, what's your book about? And now, like, it's been literally five minutes and you touched on a few things. I'm like, you must, you probably could write more than one book. <laughs> well, that's, that's quite a story. I, I set out to write a book and, and uh, wrote enough for about three books. And the book editor said, mm -hmm. this is way too long. You know, <laughs> you, you need to be really famous or really infamous or be a criminal for people to want to read a memoir. So <laughs> condense it. So there's the book behind me. And it's five steps to thriving on adversity. So it's five things that I found helped me get through the really tough parts of my life. And each one is illustrated by five little stories, um, you know, mm. about, about getting through that. So that's how the book came about. And who, who is the book for? Who could benefit from reading? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I wrote the book because before the pandemic, I was doing a lot of public speaking. And everyone said, you've got to write a book, got to write a book. So I did. And I sold the book mainly um, at the back of the room when I was doing speeches, public speeches. Mm. Uh, but I sell it on the internet. It's for anyone who's facing some adversity in life and, and can't see how to get around it, through it, over it, or, or underneath mm. it, or whatever. And, and I hope, and the feedback I get is it does give some people a bit of inspiration and, and hope that they can overcome tough times. Mm. And in your consulting, what, what do you consult uh, do you focus on entrepreneurs or is it just anyone how does that work it, it's really people who needed help and it's it's a whole range of people I, i've actually cut back on that i found my own podcast and talk shows got so busy that i've had to cut back on my consulting <laughs> coaching which oh. is a nice problem to have um yeah. so yeah it was but the, in a nutshell that's what it was people who felt that they were in a rut um facing some problems and couldn't see their way around them uh, and, and I found just telling them going through what I'd done helped a lot of people. So that was the mm. main thrust of what I did. Mm -hmm. And what do you do with your podcast? Much like you, we, uh, I have a co-host who, who's uh, younger, more intelligent and better looking than I have. And we find <laughs> the, the we've taken a lesson from the morning talk radio talk shows. We find the dynamics of one man and one woman on a show seem to put our mm. guests at, at ease and it seems to work. Um, so we, we try and give actionable tips and ideas for entrepreneurs, small business owners, and, and even some corporate managers to improve their businesses. We also do a few health topics and a bit of uh, life philosophy in general, but it's primarily the business focus. Mm. We, do, we do an episode every week, uh, sometimes two a week. Mm. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. So the, you, you've chosen to name uh, the, the blog and subsequently the podcast after, after yourself. It carries your name. What was the, the reasoning for that? The blog carries my name, PeterWritesBlog.com. The podcast mm -hmm. is called The Yacking Show. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a Canadian Canadian word. Well, it's not just Canadian, but quite often people will say, ah, he yaks about that and he yaks about that. So we, <laughs> when we were looking for uh, taking a leaf from what you do, when we were looking for a, a, a domain for to host the podcast, we said, hang on, how about The Yacking Show? And uh, it seems to work <laughs> Seems to work for us. So, so the podcast is all on that domain, the, the yackingshow.com. Wonderful. Yeah, I was wondering what's the yacking. I, didn't, I wasn't aware that's a, that's a term like that. Yeah, that's cool. And what do you feel, um, or what importance do you feel had, like naming naming a business has in your experience? I think it's it works both ways. I think one needs to have a domain and a business name that is relevant and memorable. Um, you know, I look at some people that, that have asked me for advice and they have a website that's half goes half the width of the page. And I, you know, I say, mm. if they put that link into bookmark, that's fine. But if, if someone's trying to search for you, 
you know, there's, there's no way that um, that's going to attract their attention. So I think mm. that's that's important. Uh, using my example, the, the yakking show, I think there's relevance there, and it's it's a sort of Canadian terminology, but it's most people pick it up the meaning of it around the world. On my mm. other website, my blog, peterwrightsblog.com, <clears throat> Peter Wright is a very popular name. So peterwright.com.co.org <laughs> were all taken. Even putting my middle initial in, <clears throat> I couldn't get a domain, anything that I wanted. So I just called it peterwrightsblog.com. I used to do some podcasts on that as well some years back. <clears throat> and mm. then I, I've had others. I When I was doing a lot of coaching, I had a domain called the adversity coach for instance which mm. said exactly what i did that that is still there but it's um, i don't do much on that um i was involved in agricultural business with my son when he was trying to immigrate to canada and we got a domain grown g-r-o-w-n and then our surname right.com so that played on our name and on growing vegetables mm-hmm. that's so i I, th- I think it's important um but sometimes you can't get the domain you want because it's already taken and mm. you end up creating uh, the brand by, by everything else you do by tying it to that domain. Uh, if you think, use Google as an example. 30 years ago, if anyone said, what's Google? Oh, I don't know. What's Google? Mm. Um, it had no yeah. meaning whatsoever. No, it's probably the most recognizable brand name in the world after maybe Coca-Cola. Mm. So that's what I mean about it being a double-edged, that yes, you need a good domain but you also need to put everything else together to make that domain memorable so Mm. it's got to work both both ways definitely i can i can totally uh, agree with that and and i oftentimes say that in conversations with entrepreneur entrepreneurs in my field where um even the best name wouldn't save your business if you're not offering a a decent product and a decent service so it it's it has to work with that as well absolutely yeah there was um one of the good marketing gurus on the internet a few years back used one as an example it was a i think she was a chinese lady in england who sold used cars and she had a pretty awfully designed website. It, it did not have a, really, it, it, it didn't have a good name, but she did so much else to promote it. And she put so much content on there that she sold more used cars than practically anyone else in the whole country. So that's mm. what I mean about you've got to have the whole package together, right? Mm. And you've been, uh, you, you mentioned you've done some uh, speaking, you, you've had different businesses, uh, even before digital was a thing. And now obviously every, everything is pretty much like, even if you're selling a product offline, you still have to promote it in a way mm-hmm. um, online. How do you feel has that has affected business and us as people as well, because you talk a lot about adversity, about people dealing with uh, things like obviously there are the positive, but also the negative sides of it. Uh, how, how has the digital age affected people? Is that what mm. you're getting at and promoting? Um, mm. it, it ha- I, I think there's huge advantages. Obviously, we wouldn't be talking without the technology mm. we have to work with today and the internet. But I'm, I'm always reminded because I'm quite old and my father was born at the beginning of the first world war. And he mm. spent, he spent some years in India before the second world war. And he told me stories of the great European trading houses that operated all over Asia as far back as the late 1700s. And they ran mm. huge, huge trading empires. And their communication was a letter that took three months to get from head office mm. to, to wherever. 
and the answer took three months to get back again, right? Wow. There was no radio <laughs> That's crazy to imagine now. <laughs> yes, but they ran huge trading empires. You know, never mind whether they were good, bad, or indifferent. I'm just talking from the organizational mm. point of view. Um, they did all sorts of things. More recently, in the early 1900s, look at the businesses that developed with none of modern technology, mm. right? So, so, yes, all the modern technology is a wonderful tool, but I don't believe we should be too reliant on it. I, I believe we should look at the human interface and mm. try and try and take a balanced view of this. And, and case in point, in Canada, we have two major mobile phone or, or telephone and internet providers, and one of them went down for a whole day a couple of months back. Uh, so that means all the ATMs that worked on their system, all the point of sale uh, mm. machines that worked on the system, telephones, internet, bang, half the country, well, not the country, but mainly two provinces, half of it was shut down. It was chaos, absolute chaos, mm. <clears throat> because people weren't carrying cash. People had filled up their cars with gas and couldn't pay for it, and it was chaos. Um, <clears throat> so, so yes, it's good, but I think we also need to to keep a bit of balance here and, and be prepared for the day when it doesn't work properly. So, mm. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm thinking of uh, um, of the situation in Ukraine, for example. Now, and I have, yes. uh, yeah, I have friends, and and I mean, it, how quickly we can switch from taking everything from for granted to being, you know, happy if there's the electrics uh, and the internet are on for one hour in twenty four right. hours. Yeah, and yeah. but people do it. People, I mean, I, I I literally we have even members of our team that manage to continue working and and communicate and and you know continue living somehow. Um, so definitely we should be prepared for it not working. But also I feel it's important to not forget, and you said that at the beginning, not forget the human side of things. Mm-hmm. I, I see mm-hmm. so much of um companies that literally turn their business around pleasing algorithms and uh, some you know statistics that come from whatever platform where where it's like where where are the people in that you know you're supposed right. to be working for people who are inevitably your end customer but the whole marketing is focused on on some metrics and on some algorithms and on some things that have nothing to do they're more like i guess more around advertising and sure. numbers and, and but look at the the converse to that is look at how successfully <clears throat> some companies are using influencers <clears throat> to promote mm. their products, which is is much closer to word of mouth, right? Mm. Even though it may be conveyed digitally, it's person to person, which has some degree of credibility compared to just the company broadcasting on their own. So I think mm. that's that's an aspect that's important. Whether it's person to person, face to face in the street in a bar, in a wherever, or whether it's person face-to-face over the internet, you're still getting that human connection. And that's why some of those advertisers are doing so well using influencers. Mm, yeah, that has been definitely a trend using influencers. And it's funny how, you know, we go technology, technology, and we do the full circle coming back to, you know, we, we still need a human <clears throat> face. We still need a human connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and on that one, I, I'm on a couple of platforms uh, in communities one of which is on discord and it's a it's a closed community of comparatively few people but the interchange and what we talk about there is so much richer than say on facebook where thousands of people mm. are getting getting involved and on that closed community if somebody says have you tried this service for whatever because we trust what they've been saying in that community for months i'm more than mm. likely to go off and use that service right so mm. personal endo- it's personal endorsement even though i've never met the person face to face 
it's in a community I trust. So I think that's growing, mm -hmm. growing a lot as well. Mm. And definitely, yeah, as you mentioned, I think that can apply to um, a lot of a lot of the activity that that companies are doing in order to promote themselves. That that focus on quality versus quantity, mm -hmm. and that's something that we oftentimes on on the podcast it it comes up as a question in different fields of of marketing. But uh, yeah, that because very often I feel entrepreneurs can find themselves. Uh, chasing numbers. It's like, oh, we got, you know, 100,000 visitors. It's like, yeah, but so what? That's right. <laughs> you know? That's right. <laughs> and you have whole marketing departments turning around that and, and being happy about metrics and, and all that. And you're like, no, you're better off getting, I don't know, 100 of which 10 convert than, you know, yeah. 100,000 that looks good on paper. Like, oh, look at us. We have that. But it turns into nothing. That's right. Yeah. Correct. Um, who can, I mean, you mentioned you have sort of a slowdown on, on the consulting, but do you do you still offer that as a service? Can people reach out I, to you I do. That? Yeah, I do. And on the yakkingshow.com, there is a link there where people can book book time with me. <clears throat> so, yeah, I still do. I still do that. I still do mm -hmm. that. I, I'm not actively searching for clients there, but if people want help, want want to talk to me, yeah, I can, I can handle a few clients. Mm. And, and who can benefit from your services? If we were to describe like the person who can ideally match people, people who can only see the hurdle or the challenge in front of them and can't see around it. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean people who are in a really bad place financially, emotionally, family, whatever. Uh, some mm. relatively successful people get stuck um, on on what to them as an insurmountable perspective might be just a little minor thing they need to take a detour around. So mm. I, I can't guarantee that I can solve everybody's problems, but I find by talking to people, listening to them and offering my perspective, very often it, it helps them move forward. Mm. Great. And uh, you mentioned the yakkingshow.com will include the, the links to, to your other website as well and to your social media so people can reach you. So. Sure. Yeah, the yakkingshow.com is the is it's got everything on it. They, they can contact me through there. Um, I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, all the main ones and some of the newer ones. But um, easy to contact me through the Yakking Show. Either book a time or there's a contact form on there where people can get to me. The same on peterwrightsblog.com. There's a contact form there. My book is available on both sites as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you. That's been an absolute pleasure, Peter. Good. Well, thank you, Tatiana. Very nice talking to you. And uh, I, I hope that what I've been able to share might help some people, might inspire some people. And the big thing is, yeah, the world looks like a, a strange and dangerous and uncertain place at the moment. But so it has for all our previous mm. generations and the human race has survived. And I believe we will continue to survive and thrive as uh, long mm. as we stay, stay positive. That's a very good point, actually. And, and you mentioned it at the beginning and then I forgot to kind of get back to it because uh, I, I think historically we actually live in one of the most prosperous times, like in terms of, you know, sure. medicine has advised we have technology, we can travel relatively cheap to any anywhere in the world. Even though, like, obviously there is crime and there is, but compared to even hundred years before, it's 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 uncomparable. And people seem still to be more dissatisfied and more stressed than they were before, which which is just crazy when you think about that, it. That that is the dark side of affluence, I'm afraid. Mm. Um, one of the 
I don't want to waste time, but one of the speeches I, I gave when I was doing a lot of public speaking was the paradox of prosperity, and I related mm. the I related the case of a very uh, an old African man who was a retired policeman in Zimbabwe, where Rhodesia at the time, who had bought a little farm, and um, <clears throat> I happened to visit him for whatever purpose and I said you have 400 acres you're using 15 to grow corn you have about 20 cattle cows you could have you could double that he said what for and I said mm. well, you, you could pay for electricity what for and whatever I suggested he he says I, I, I have enough he says I just want to sit mm. in the sun watch my family hoeing the fields drink my beer if it's cold, uh, you know, I can go and light, sit by the fire. That I've worked all my life. What do I want anything any more for? Whatever yeah. I, whatever money I earn will bring me problems in one way or another. I could not shake this guy. He was one of the happiest yeah. guys I've ever met. And and yet he, according to our standards, he had nothing. Yeah? So that's stuck in my mind. And that, I think that's important. And I think because of the affluence in the Western world particularly and, and in other parts of the world, people have become entitled and they believe they they have a certain standard of living and the moment that's affected or threatened they have a problem but as mm. you just said 200 years ago people had to work a hell of a lot harder than they do now just to stay alive they didn't have time to get dissatisfied right mm. yeah <laughs> that's probably the problem yeah <laughs> sorry i'm i'm getting into philosophy now but um i know it's I, interesting I, I find it interesting yeah absolutely no i i do I, I do that with my kids sometimes where i mean we, we'd have a discussion and discussions and they are oh, best thing i've ever heard best in you know speech marks is, is my 13 year old said once I'm so tired of working for free. I'm like, what do you mean? Go into school. I'm working for free. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine. I'm like, are you crazy? There's like still even places in there where kids like get shot at or they struggle or, you know, they have to fight or walk a long time or, yeah. you know, struggle. Yeah. It's a privilege to go to school. What do you mean I work for free? it's just it's just crazy yeah all right well yeah thank you thank you again it's been an absolute pleasure i'm sure it will be insightful for our listeners as well thank you good you're welcome goodbye thank you for joining us in this episode of smart branding podcast feel free to visit smartbranding.com for more information and reach out if you have any suggestions questions ideas or just want to learn more about how a good domain name strategy can help you build a strong and successful brand see you next time